Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Does building on graveyards mean a definite chance of paranormal phenomena? Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and this week we are disturbing some final resting places in search of answers. Now let's kick things off with this week's fact or fiction. The film Poltergeist is based on a true story. Is this fact or fiction? The film Poltergeist is based on a true story. We'll find out the answer at the end of the show. Speaking of poltergeist, the home in this film was built on a Native American burial ground, and it seems that building on top of cemeteries and final resting places is more common than we realise. Our first stop this week is in Highgate Cemetery, and although this stop has no evidence of hauntings in the homes um, that are there, it, it offers a truly interesting story. This famous cemetery in North London is home to the graves of Karl Marx, amongst others, and now also has a living resident, Richard Elliot. He lives in one of the three houses built on land in the cemetery, released in the 60s when the cemetery was having financial trouble. And from the ground floor terrace, you can reach out and touch gravestones. And it's a huge glass house uh, and it juts out uh, from the enchanted graveyard. And you can find pictures of this house uh, on our socials. Uh, It really is a, a very modern structure, something I wouldn't like. I mean, Everybody could see what you're doing in that glass house. There's no privacy there whatsoever. Anyway, the owner, Elliot, says the one thing he feels is never eerie. However, when building the house, Elliot noticed something very strange. His great-great-grandfather, an engineer responsible for a number of Scottish bridges, loom large in the family history, so much so that Elliot had begun searching Scotland to visit his grave. Well, during the build, Elliot was amongst the undergrowth and deciding where would be a nice spot for a bench. He signalled out a plinth in front of a tomb and began clearing the shrubs from it. This grand grave bore the details of his lost relative. Elliot said, I was stunned. I was immediately in tears, the odds against it happening. Today, this grave is only 50 yards from his house. And Elliot said, when you're trying to build a house on one of London's steepest hills and everything starts to go wrong as it did, it's nice to know he's there. There was some sense that I was doing the right thing. 
It's strange, isn't it? As most people find graveyards really creepy and assume that there are many spirits haunting them. But in my investigations, I've discovered that although there are a few hauntings that do occur in these treasured sites, most graveyards are in fact silent and peaceful. And if we think about it, why would a spirit hang about its final resting place? It would either go back and haunt its house or the site that it died in, not the place it was finally laid to rest. But... I do believe that when graveyards and burial sites are built on or disturbed, that's when paranormal activity can occur. Why? I think it comes down to respect. Imagine, there you are, passed on to the next plane, you're happy with your family, you're happy in your new environment, and then suddenly you're aware that the sacred place where you've been buried is now being uprooted and your skeletal remains are being moved around by a bulldozer. I think a few ghosts would be a little bit angry at the actions of the living, wouldn't they? Well, we reached out to our Discord users on this subject and we asked this question. Do you believe that building on burial grounds causes paranormal activity? And it seemed to be a resounding yes. One user mentioned that there was a graveyard in Cardiff where they turned an old graveyard into a playground. The gravestones line the perimeter wall. Uh, I must look into the history of it properly because it sounds absolutely fascinating to me. Also, with my new book out in September, The Witches of Pendle, quick cheeky plug there, I had to do lots and lots of research and discovered to my horror that the place where the Pendle witches were hanged is now, like this place in Cardiff, a playground. I think that is a really strange place to put swings and slides. Although, thinking about it, you could argue that instead of the location being filled with memories of death and murder, it's now filled with the sounds of laughter and joy from children having a lovely time in the park. Anyway, I digress. We did do some research ourselves and think um, that the park in Cardiff is Cemetery Park. And this was originally Adams Down Burial Ground on land donated by Lord Butte and the land was consecrated in 1848. In the early 1920s, there were appeals to turn it into a children's playground or park. In the 1950s, the official opening ceremony was planned. There was a chapel building in the park until the 1960s when it fell into disrepair and was demolished. In 2006, the site had a whole revamp and it was mostly unused. A memorial garden was created. What a beautiful idea. New trees were planted as well as a games area and play and fitness equipment. And there has been no paranormal activity log for this park, maybe because nothing was disturbed and the graves were not forgotten. A memorial park is a fabulous idea for these wonderful gravestones and graveyards. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think? And I think that that's key. As long as the graves and remains are respected and the fact that there, like I say, is a memorial garden there, I think the spirits will be delighted with that. Now, let's hear this week's story, which comes from Catherine. And she writes, Hi Yvette, I hope you're well. I just wanted to send you a story about an experience I had when I was younger involving my grandma. Sleep paralysis, you name it. I'm obsessed with your podcast as well as Most Haunted. So I really hope you enjoy it. Thanks, Catherine. Hi Yvette, I hope you're okay. Um, my name's Catherine and I just wanted to tell you a story about... Um, a weird experience that happened to me involving my grandma and um, sleep paralysis when I was younger. Um, growing up, uh, me and my grandma, we were very, very close. I used to stay at her house when I was younger every weekend with my little brother and um, she was like a best friend to me. 
Um, when I was about 16, she passed away um, quite suddenly. And it was a big shock um, and it really sort of hit me quite hard. And I remember I was uh, asleep one night and I had a dream um, that me and my parents and my little brother were on an open air ferry crossing over to France. And uh, me and my brother were sort of playing on this ramp that went from the open air car park up to uh, a cafe area. And my parents were having a coffee in the cafe. Um, and on this ramp was a public telephone and it started ringing. Uh, I was the closest one to it, so I picked up the phone and my grandma was on the phone and she said, hello, Katie. She always used to call me Katie. And I said, hello, Granny. And, you know, she said, I just want to let you know that I'm OK and I want you to stop worrying now. And as much as I was excited to hear from her, I was really obviously quite shocked as well. And I said, well, where are you? Where are you? You know, she said, I just want to let you know that I'm OK. So please stop worrying. Um, and I said, oh, my God, I'm going to have to tell mum and dad, you know, um, hold on a minute. Let me go and get mum. She re she'll really want to hear from you. And she said, no, 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 don't go and get them. I just wanted to let you know that I'm OK. And I said, no, hold on a minute. So I went to shout up to my mum and um, she began to walk over. And when I went back onto the phone to let her, let my grandma know that my mum was coming, the phone line was dead and she'd gone. Now, obviously, I told my parents in the morning, they were sort of a little bit confused. Um, after that, for probably about the next five or so years, um, I started waking up between 3 and 3.30 a.m., every single night um, with complete paralysis, immediately knowing that my grandma was behind me and she was stood next to my bed. I couldn't move and I remember being absolutely petrified um, and I didn't know what to do and then I'd end up falling back to sleep with complete <laughs> exhaustion because I was so scared. Um, after it had been going on for a good couple of years, I remember I woke up one night and I said, you know, Granny, I'm so scared, you know, please will you go, you're scaring me. And obviously nothing happened, I waited a couple of minutes and I tried to turn round, but I was so scared because I didn't know what she was going to look like. I didn't know if she would look the same as she did before or if she was, um, you know, if she looked poorly, I had no idea. Um, and eventually I managed to turn around this one night and there was nothing there. Um, but I just ended up saying, please, you know, I'm so scared. Please, will you go um, after not seeing anything? And uh, it did stop eventually. So she obviously heard me. Um, we then a few years later moved house to a completely different house. And it started again at uh, same time in the morning, every morning and knew she was there. Um, but after a while, I started to feel comfort in the fact that she wasn't there to scare me. She was there to look over me. Um, and it became the norm. Um, and I think it must have stopped when I was about, I don't know, started when I was 16, must have finished when I was about, I don't know, 22, something like that. It was a very, very long-winded experience, but um, 
just wanted to tell you that story um, and I'd just like to know what your thoughts are really but uh, you know absolutely love the podcast love Most Haunted so I'll be really excited to hear from you and uh, thank you so much for listening to my experience bye Hi, Catherine. I love this dream that you had. And I totally believe that that was your grandma in spirit coming to you to let you know that she was okay. I do know that this kind of manifestation in a dream can be very tiring for a spirit. So perhaps she couldn't stay too long. And that's why she just needed to speak to you. Also, it's possible that you needed to hear from her just a little bit more than your parents did. The sleep paralysis is an odd one, isn't it? But it was your grandma, I feel. But it was your grandma, I feel, trying to communicate with you. But it came across to you as frightening. I'm so, so pleased that you spoke out loud to her uh, and asked, asked her to stop Uh, and I have a feeling that you Catherine could well be open to the spirit world but at the time you weren't ready for it it's funny isn't it what our loved ones that have passed on find to communicate with uh, with us can often feel frightening unsettling but unless you tell them they won't know like for instance my dad waking me up in the middle of the night banging the bath plug against the side of the bath I mean why would you do that he apparently found this hilarious Uh, and I on the other hand as you can imagine did not so I told him straight and uh, he's never done it since have you ever seen a ghost extraterrestrial or something unexplained we love hearing your paranormal stories so much so we've dedicated a whole episode just for you Join me, Molly, every Monday in a brand new episode of Monday Mail Time on the Paranormal Activity Podcast channel, where I delve into your paranormal stories and experiences. You might even hear your own. You can listen to this series every Monday right here on the Paranormal Activity Podcast channel. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewellery, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. So we've touched on two construction projects in cemeteries that haven't had any paranormal activity associated with them, but that is all about to change. Windhouse in Yell is known as Shetland's most haunted house. It was built in 1707 and was remodelled in 1885. Behind the current house is the remains of an earlier house in the 1600s, showing that people have inhabited this area for hundreds of years. The older house was demolished and reconstructed as the current wind house. The older house was said to have been owned by a succession of nasty men with stories of beatings, hangings and assaults. The site of wind house was even the site of a medieval church and, you guessed it, a burial ground. There was even a Neolithic burial cairn just below the house too. Skeletons were dug up here recently that dated back to the 13th or 14th centuries. And stories of hauntings at the Windhouse go back an awful long time. A young woman named Katie Sutherland lived in the house with her family in the early 1900s and in August 1906 received a postcard saying the following, I hope the ghost is not frightening you. Can you imagine getting that through the post? But which ghost could they be on about? The wind house is host to a whole group of spirits. First is the lady in silk. She's thought to be a housekeeper who met her demise by falling down the stairs and breaking her neck. They call her the lady in silk because of the rustling sound made by her dress and petticoats. And it's said that she wanders in a circle three times at the top of the stairs before she sighs and disappears. And it's thought that her body was uncovered underneath the stairs. The second ghost is the tall man. He wears a top hat and a long coat and is seen across the house, but in particular the front terrace. There are tales of a tax collector that went missing after visiting the house, but nobody's sure who this spirit is. There's also been the ghost of a servant girl seen climbing up an invisible staircase, and there's also reports of a dog ghost here too. One family who used to live here reported cold spots, laughter, footsteps, voices and flashes of light, but there's never been electricity in this house. And the stories don't stop there. In the early 1900s, two men were hired to replace a broken window. They removed a nailed up shutter and as they did so, a small bundle fell down. They unravelled it to find an infant child's skeleton wrapped in sheepskin. This was most likely, as you can imagine, an unwanted baby. One story dates from 1801 and was found on AdventureShetland.com. It tells of a group of 20 workers, rough, hard men brought in from the mainland to carry out work on the house. After the work was complete and the men were departing again, an observant local pointed out that there were only 19 of them, but he was dismissed for speaking nonsense and that all who had arrived had now departed again. 
Well, this was true in a sense. However, one of the workers had departed in a different manner the previous night. To celebrate finishing the job, the men had a party and got drunk, which led to two of them getting into a fight. The result was that one man had killed the other, hence only 19 leaving again, and they had to hide the body. These men decided to remove the front door and lift the large stone at its base and pack the body of the murdered man underneath where it would go undiscovered and they unpunished. Only the latter would prove to be true, however. A great many years later, the stone below the door had subsided a great deal, so much so that the wind, rain and snow came in under the door. The owner of the house, a man named Mr Gordon, employed two local men to make the repair and as they lifted the threshold stone, they were shocked to find a skeleton beneath it. After the bones were given a proper burial, the ghost of a huge working man no longer haunted the house as it had until this point. I think, you know, when a person is murdered or has died in tragic circumstances, often that soul, but not all, can remain in the location of its demise, waiting for someone to find the remains and uncover the truth. And when this is done and the human remains are reburied with the ceremony, only then can the spirit cross over to the other side. One place that was allegedly built on top of a burial ground is a place I investigated with the Most Haunted team back in the early days. And this place was the ancient Ram Inn. Do you remember it? If you've not seen it, check it out. This place was and still is really creepy and a real life-changing event occurred to one of the team members. So I'll just read you a bit of the history regarding the inn and I've taken this information from travelawaits.com. The ancient Ramin has a rather interesting past with multiple former lives to tell. Before the building's construction in 1145, the site was home to a multi-millennia pagan burial ground that lies on the ley lines which trace directly back to the ancient and mysterious site of Stonehenge. This connection gives rise to legend that the strange paranormal happenings documented on the property relate to its unique so there we have it. It's a, a, a pagan burial ground which lies on ley lines. Wow. The building that stands today was constructed in 1145 as the home for slaves, masons and other workers building the St Mary's Church nearby. Streams on the ground had to be diverted around the church site, which, according to many, opened up the portal for the dark energy once used in rituals performed by pagans in the area. After the masons and other workers moved out, the house became home to a priest. Later, it was made into an inn and a public house. In 1968, however, someone new brought the ancient ram in and made it his home. John Humphreys, and what a glorious man he was. Uh, he bought the place in the late 1960s to preserve it from destruction and the first night he stayed on the property he says he met the spirits that make the ancient Ramin one of the most haunted spots in England. He claims that demonic forces grabbed him by the arm and dragged him across the room from his bed and since that time he's found evidence of ritual sacrifices and devil worship on the inn's grounds. Even more horrifying he's come across the skeletal remains of children he believes were stabbed with daggers and I remember this they were sort of 
open graves. As soon as you walked in the door, um, there were these graves that were open in the front room. It was bizarre. Anyway, the ghostly spirits never discouraged Humphreys from maintaining his residence there. Though his wife and daughters left him at the inn, he remained preserving the building. And night after night, the spirits returned, but Humphreys stuck it out for more than 50 years until his death in late 2017. Now, there are several entities believed to haunt the inn turned home. Uh, perhaps the most famous is a witch that was burned at the stake in the area during the 1500s at the height of witch burning, at the height of witch hunting. The woman fled from potential trial by government-sanctioned witch hunters and took refuge in the ancient Ramin. She was soon captured, however, and burned at the stake. Of course, she lives on in legend. And the room where she hid has been dubbed the witch's room and her spirit is believed to be haunting it to this day. There are also stories of the former innkeeper's daughter hanged in the attic. The spirits of ritually murdered children, exorcisms and other dark haunting events in the millennia-old in. Orbs of these spirits have been photographed by paranormal investigators and the curious. Strange lights have terrified visitors hoping for a peek into the afterlife. The bishop's room is considered the most haunted in the ancient Ramin. This is where bishops stayed in days past and the room is supposedly haunted by the spirits of several bishops today. Dark monks and evil spirits, including the spirits of these bishops, are said to be seen here on a regular basis. Even a Roman centurion has appeared on horseback, riding through the walls towards plumbers who were minding their own business. And an incubus and a succubus, and we know what those are. We've, we've held a, uh, an episode on those in the past. Uh, they supposedly haunt the room that John Humphrey selected for his sleeping quarters mistreating those brave enough to stay overnight. Why on earth would you choose to sleep? Well, why on earth would you choose to stay in a, in a, in a, in a place like that anyway? But my bedroom's going to be where that incubus and succubus is. Woo, let's have a party. When we turned up to film, I remember the lovely John Humphreys telling us that when you cross the threshold, say hello and be respectful to the spirits. Well, of course, we all followed John's advice. And I think you can guess if you're a Most Haunted fan, there were two people that absolutely refused to do this. And I remember having an argument with them both. Yes, it's Carl and Stuart. They absolutely refused. And actually, when they walked over the threshold, they were very disrespectful and were swearing and cursing and all the rest of it. I was arguing with them saying, why did you do that? And they said, because we want to capture as much paranormal activity as possible. Let's anger them. Let's let's rile them up. Where well, I disagreed. Anyway, not a lot happened to the rest of the team that night, strangely enough, probably because we were very respectful. But Paul Stewart was, and I'm not kidding, literally beaten black and blue. It was a terrifying spectacle and one that I will never forget. I can see him now, Stuart, lying on the floor, curled up in a fetal position and crying out and screaming uh, in pain as he took blow after blow from seemingly nothing. Uh, what was it that did this? Apparently, it was an incredibly nasty, demonic entity. And in the morning, Stuart showed us his bruises and we were all completely shocked. He was black and blue all over his torso. And it was two weeks later, uh, we were filming on the Queen Mary and Stuart locked himself in his, in his cabin and he wouldn't come out and uh, he wouldn't speak to anybody. So we kept leaving food outside his door and he was obviously very, very upset. Eventually opened the door and all his hair had fallen out. It was incredible. and. It was the shock 
and the terror of the ancient ramen that caused him to lose all his hair. Yes, he had, you know, alopecia runs in our family. I have partial alopecia as well. But the shock caused that to happen, you know, and it, it was so sad because he was only young and, and to lose all your hair like that was was an, uh, really, really bad. It was a bad time for Stuart, I have to say. Um, and that's one of the reasons, if not the reason, why I remember that particular investigation, you know, watching watching somebody that, you know, just crumble like that and being beaten by something, by nothing, you know, and sceptics and scientists, oh, he imagined it. He must have thought that, you know, he imagined it. No, he didn't. I saw with my own eyes, for goodness sake. Anyway, funnily enough, I asked him, not that long ago, to be fair, if he'd ever go back. And you know what? He just looked at me, shook his head and turned away. Another haunted site comes from Newport near Texas. Now, here's a whole neighbourhood and it was built on a slave burial ground. And this was unbeknownst to both the residents and the construction workers. One family, the Haney's, when building a pool in the backyard of their dream home, were warned by an elderly man of bodies residing underneath their home. They took a shovel to the dirt and began digging until they struck something. And they found a coffin and 25 bone fragments and weren't the only ones in the neighbourhood to find something like this in their gardens. As soon as the graves were found, strange activity began happening in houses in the area. And this ranged from objects moving to disembodied voices, footsteps, strange lights, and even sudden and tragic illnesses. And we do cover this story in depth in this week's bonus episode of Yvette Investigates, and that's over at paranormalpod.co.uk. Now, let's get the answer to this week's fact or fiction. To remind you, the question was, the film Poltergeist, fabulous movie, Steven Spielberg's Poltergeist, is it based on a true story? Is it fact or fiction? Is it based on a true story? What do you think? Well, the answer is fact. Uh, There have been thousands of reported cases of poltergeists around the world, and one of which is the Herman House, which is what the poltergeist movie was based on. In 1958, the Herman family was subject to some strange activity in their home. This went from a series of popping sounds coming from different points in the house to uncapped bottles of several substances being found, including holy water. And this continued to happen for weeks, and Herman also watched in horror as he saw bottles move on their own right in front of him. The strangest thing uh, was that this house wasn't even old. It was purchased new in 1953 and the Hermans were the only ones who lived there. Investigations were carried out and for some reason the haunting subsided. And when watching Poltergeist, you may recognise some similarities between this family and the Herman story. And this film, in my humble opinion, is one of the best movies on this subject. It's just absolutely fabulous. Although I can't watch stuff like that anymore. It really messed with my head. As I've said, I can't be doing a Ouija board in a dark cellar. And then my mind, I'd start imagining, you know, somebody crawling in a white nightie on the ceiling. It's just not done. You can't watch horror movies when you're a paranormal investigator. Well, I can't anyway. 
anyway. I'm just a bit weak. Um, but if you haven't seen the movie Poltergeist, give it a go. I know I've mentioned it before. And let me know what you think. Did you enjoy it? Or do you have a recommendation for a really good movie uh, based on truth, paranormal, uh, aliens, anything? i uh, love to hear, hear about it. I'm really into the UFO thing at the moment. So anything to do with that would be great. Please, please send me your suggestions. Uh, is there a site that you think we need to cover on the podcast, a location or a paranormal story? If there is, please don't be shy. Get in touch with me and share your stories at this address. It's contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. I love to hear your beautiful voices. It makes me feel like, I don't know, you're in the room with me. Um, so give me a, a shout out. Give me, uh, let me know your story. Here's the number 0759992753. I wait with anticipation. And of course, we are on Instagram and we'll share any 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 footage. We'll share any photos that I talk about uh, on the episode there. So head over to there and have a look at some of the um, stuff we put up there. And this is the handle is at paranormal activity pod there you go i've waffled enough there at the end haven't i oh no i haven't i've got more to say hang on to your boots stay up to date with the newest episode by giving us a follow and we'll be back again same time next week but if you can't wait until then uh, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early have a great week stay safe and remember things aren't always as they seem 